Welcome to Behind the Backline, the podcast where we chat with merchants, brands, and industry professionals in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space about their products, services, industry trends, stories, and more. Join us now as we dig into the stories behind our favorite backline gear. Hey guys, welcome to episode 35 of Behind the Backline. My name is Matt Jacoby, and today I have the pleasure of talking with John Scott of Bluesman Vintage Guitar Shop out of Spring Hill, or I'm supposed to say Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today, John. Thanks for having me, man. We appreciate you having us on. Yeah, actually, if I think back now, I think you're actually the first uh uh, like actual retail shop that I've had on. So that's kind of cool. I mean, usually it's the people that are just building the equipment or building the instruments. So it's nice to, nice to get a little bit of a retail mix in there. So, well, I mean, it's kind of misleading. I mean, we do have a retail shop in our, in our facility, but we are, you know, the manufacturer. We, um, so it's confusing for people to come in. They'll, they'll walk in our store and they're like, I see a lot of this bluesman vintage brand guitars and I see a few other things. And, and uh, um, so we're kind of we kind of play on both ends of that spectrum. If we're you know uh, the boutique guitars kind of go through seasons for us as far as you know throughout the year, and uh, so we kind of have some retail and repairs and things that help even that out to make the uh, the roller coaster ride of the music industry a little bit more tame. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, I guess on that note, do you kind of want to go into a little bit um, what uh, Blues Vintage overall is? And I see it's you know a family business, so uh, kind of. Learn a little bit more about that too. Um, so, Blues Band Vintage is a is a full line custom shop. We uh, we build custom guitars from the ground up. We build amps. We build pedals. We also do a lot of repair and restoration. Um, so, so we we do have a music store. Like you can come in and buy strings and a strap and a capo and things from us. Um, but primarily in our showroom, you're going to find things that we build, and then we do carry some stuff that our friends have built. Like we'll carry guitars from other local luthiers that we're friends with and other ant builders and things that we're, we're friends with, but it's primarily a boutique shop. So, um, you know, when people come in, if they're looking to buy, you know, Timmy, their first guitar, we're, we'll be glad to help them out, but we're going to probably direct them to a, you know, another shop to, to purchase that instrument and then have them bring it by. We'll get it set up and, and rocking for them. So. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like some very personalized service and not, not the uh, usual in and out of a major retail shop. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, we, <laughs> some of my shop guys get upset with me because I spend so much time with my customers. You know, well, I mean, if you come down to, to order a guitar from us, you know, you better plan on, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the instrument, getting exactly the details you want in it. And we're going to go to lunch. We're going to eat some tacos. We're going to come back. We're going to play some more guitars. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a half a day at least uh, event because, you know, purchasing a, a boutique custom built guitar is not a, a small purchase, you know, and I don't want anyone to, to be pressured into buying something because they f feel like they're in inconveniencing me by, you know, taking up too much of my time. I, I, I want them to come in and feel comfortable and be informed. And, you know, we tell people, we want you to get the guitar that you actually want rather than the guitar you settle for. And so that's why we, we do it all custom because, you know, guitar shopping in the past has been, has been exactly that. You you go to every store in town, you play every instrument that you can get your hands on and you'll narrow it down to three or four. And one of them looks really cool, but it doesn't sound that great. One of them sounds really good, but doesn't play worth a flip. One of them will look really good and sound really good, but it's, it's 
pink sparkle with a Hello Kitty pick art. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't take that out of like, on a gig and be taken seriously. So, or, or you go, all right, fine. I, I'm going to go buy a really nice vintage guitar. You save up your money. You sell off one of your children. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you, you put a third mortgage on a house. You go shopping for a, a pre-CBS Strat. You've got, you know, $30,000 you're going to put down on this guitar. You go shopping and you find that there's not that many of those guitars available. You know, the really good ones are are hoarded up into collections and whatever's left is whatever's left. And you get something and it's got a bad pickup in it. It's got a hump in the fretboard. Uh, the volume pot's been replaced. Yeah, and, and you don't get to choose the color. You just get what you get. Whereas with us, people can come in and we can build them that exact same guitar um, you know, but it'd be lighter weight. They can choose the color that they want, the neck shape they want, the fret size they want. They can come in and choose out their lumber. Like, uh, you know, we're just, we're getting to the point in the shop where we're doing a lot of our own wood cutting in house rather than using outside shops to cut our CNC parts. Um, so now we have our own CNC machines and all that. So people can come in and literally go over to the wood racks and pull down body blanks and say, you know what? I like the grain on this one and this one's got a nice weight. Let's, let's make this piece of wood into my guitar and they can choose that themselves. Uh, then we can go over and wind the pickups exactly the way they want to sound. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, what type of music you play, what you, what you're looking for tonally out of your guitar, what you're using in the rest of your rig, because you know, your, your tone is only as strong as your weakest link. So if you've got, fantastic guitar but you're still playing through a crate power block um you know we're gonna we're gonna design that guitar to get the most out of your rig so i mean i've, I've had people come in and they're you know they're ac30 guys so we don't you know we try to design the guitar to work with the rig that they use or the rig that they're wanting to use so um it's a holistic i want to say holistic it's a uh, uh an all-inclusive approach to designing the guitar so we we want to know what you're what you're playing what you're trying to your desired outcome is what other gear you're using with it um, to try and build you the best guitar. But you, like I said, the guitar you've always wanted rather than the one you've settled for. That's insane and super awesome. Really. Um, and I hope you don't speak from experience when you say the whole thing about selling your kids off to buy a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can neither confirm nor deny that, that claim. All right. Um, we'll, we'll leave it at that depending on who's listening. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, what's the uh, what's kind of the story of um, how you got into uh, this this area for yourself? What's the the well, inspiration and story behind your, your uh, journey here? Okay, well, it started out as a young smart aleck kid mm. uh, that was going shopping for the, the ultimate strat. Man, I was in a in a Texas blues band. I thought I was going to be the next Stevie Ray Vaughan. I, obviously, I was not, um, <laughs> but I was more like Stevie Ray Collins. Um, but anyway, so we, I went shopping through all these music stores and I played every guitar they had and I, they weren't set up well, or they're just, again, it's the same thing. It's like, you'd find what you thought was going to be a really great guitar. And I was like, man, this thing plays like, like a dump truck. It's awful. So I finally at this one music store in my, and I was from a small town, so there wasn't any, you know, big stores then. We would have to drive two hours to get to a guitar center. Um, and so I was in these small towns and I was in this one particular music store which i still frequent every time i'm in town it's i'll, I'll give them a, a plug out there it's morel music of johnson city uh tennessee it's a great little shop they're still open they've been around for uh the owner dave is is like his father opened the store back in the the 
dawn ages, dawn of the ages. So, um, <laughs> but they're, they're great. It's a great little shop. It's been around forever. And, uh, but I was in there and I was, I was kind of frustrated because I just wasn't finding what I was looking for. And I made this smart aleck comment of, man, I think I can just build guitars better myself. And, you know, being a smart aleck kid, you know, uh, this, this gentleman, it was an older gentleman that was in there kind of pokes his head around the corner and says, Hey, uh, come over here for a minute. And I'm thinking, Oh, great. He's going to fuss at me for, you know, saying something stupid in his store in the store. He goes, Hey, if you're serious about that, I can help you. And, uh, and I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I build guitars. He goes, if you want to build one, he says, I can help you out there. I said, okay. So uh, it was a gentleman who I later ran back into again in, in, in the future of the company. But um, he helped me build a guitar. Um, and I played that guitar all over the, the country for years. And it was it's the most hideous looking Strat style <laughs> copy. Uh, it's like a two-tone sunburst with a leopard print pit guard and three hot rails pickups in it. Uh, it's just, we, we jokingly have nicknamed it CC because it kind of sounds like CC DeVille playing a chainsaw. Um, it's that's just, just, that's just a standard issue at that time, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's a three hot rails in a strat. I mean, it's just all high gain. Um, it's the hottest, thing. and it, it did exactly what I wanted it to do for a long time. And people would always ask me about it, and and it wasn't until I started having kids, um, you know, I was touring as a musician and as a sound engineer, and uh, I started having kids, and and you know, life started kind of happening. I was like, yeah, I don't really want to be on the road all the time, and so I, uh, you know, started looking for other things that I could do, and uh, ended up getting a job at another guitar shop um, in Nashville, just working in a finishing shop. Uh, just doing painting and, and, and sanding and buffing and all the, the mundane part of, of guitar building. Um, and, uh, you know, was there for a little while. Um, I had built like quite a bit of rapport with a lot of the customers and things. And um, some, some things happened within that company. And then I just decided, you know, it, it came time for me to leave and not having any idea of where I was going or what I was going to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big you know, believer in, in God. And, and so God was telling me, you know, get out, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I left having no idea what I was going to do. We, we had a new baby, you know, I was just kind of freaking out. I went home and uh, was sitting there and I'm kind of, kind of, you know, losing my mind on how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to feed these kid, this kid? And, and the phone rings and it was uh, one of the, my customers from up at this other shop. And he says, Hey man, uh, I need you to do some work on a guitar. He said, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I told, you know, I, I got such, such, I can't remember what it was. I think he wanted like a relic job done or something. I said, well, man, I, I said, I don't really work there anymore. And he goes, well, yeah, I know. We just left there. He goes, where, where are you at now? And I said, well, right now I'm just at home. And he goes, oh, cool. You're setting up a shop at your house. And I went, no, I'm just physically <laughs> at home. I mean, I don't have a job. And he goes, well, and he goes, well, can you do this work for me? And I said, well, dude, I don't have the tools. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have a workbench. I don't have anything, you know, and I had been a sound engineer for years. So like my garage was full of PA gear. And, uh, and he goes, well, man, I, he says, what tools do you need? I'm on my way to your house right now. I'll stop at Lowe's and buy you whatever you want. I'm going to not know for an answer. And, uh, I was kind of like, well, I, I don't know what to do, but I needed the money. So, uh, I said, well, well, come on down. We'll figure it out. So he shows up at the house. I'm in my garage. Like I said, I don't have a workbench. I don't have a table in my garage. It's full of PA gear. So I'm literally relicking a guy's guitar off the top of a PA speaker as a workbench. (laughs) 
and uh and it just kind of evolved from there i mean he he came and and uh like he he just wanted me to do the work i don't know why the shop was perfectly capable of doing it but he just i had just built rapport with this gentleman and uh um and then another guy calls and another guy calls and i was like well shoot i guess i'm opening a guitar shop whether i like it or not and so people <laughs> just, so for years i just kind of did you know worked out of my garage um and then that went from doing you know the occasional repairs to so I said, well, could you still build me a guitar? And I was like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, yes, but I'm not a guitar builder at that time. And, and again, it just kept evolving. People just kept coming. And uh, um, then we, you know, we, we opened up into a shop in 2008. We opened it as, as Bluesman Vintage Guitars. Um, it just kind of evolved into the point that I was like, okay, this is not going to be a hobby anymore. This is not a, uh, so it started out as, you know, and we had been doing it for, for several years before that, but you know, we opened as a business in 2008 and, um, it just keeps, just keeps growing. Um, we're, I mean, we, we bought the building we're in currently in 2014 and we're already looking at new buildings to expand again because we're just running out of space again. Um, so, you know, again, people keep calling. I have no idea where they're coming from. I mean, I got a call this morning from a gentleman in Switzerland that wants to buy bases uh because we don't advertise we don't um we don't buy magazine ads we don't buy you know facebook ads any of that stuff it's all just through our artists you know being a custom guitar builder in nashville if you're building good guitars and you do good work it it's kind of like uh field of dreams you know the kevin costner movie if you build it they will come (laughs) they just keep showing up and there there's days where you're so busy. It, it, it looks, you know, they're lying around the building trying to get in. And then there's days, you know, which, when you're just, you know, going, I, I cherish those quiet moments, like at the end of the day um, or the end of the week, you know, when, when everybody's finally cleared out and I, I like, I go and I lock the door, I'll sit down at my desk, my office, and I'm kind of like recounting what I've done that day or that week. And I'm checking emails and things. And you have those surreal moments where you go, Holy crap. How did we get here? <laughs> I love those. I love those moments. They happen every once in a while. You know, you're looking, you know, or I had one a couple of days ago and I won't, I won't say the names because I don't want to be that name dropper guy, but I'm, I'm looking at the, the, we have a big rack full of guitar cases downstairs where there's repairs and restorations and custom bills, all these things that are going on. Anything, all the cases are stored there. And so I'm, I'm putting cases in this rack and I'm looking and there was like seven or eight, major artists, guys that I grew up listening to. And then there's probably another half dozen major artists that, you know, weren't necessarily my heroes, but they're just, just major name people. They're like household names. And I'm going, Oh my gosh. You know, I had one of those, those moments. Like I, again, being the, in my mind, I'm still that smart aleck <laughs> kid in Morel music of Johnson city going, Oh, well, Scott, you know, how do you, how do you change the pickups? And, you know, that, that's me in my head still. And so, um, but yeah, all these people keep coming to us to, to, to do their work and, and we're so blessed um, for that. So we, you know, we, it's a, again, it's, it's just really surreal sometimes. I would imagine, man, I wish I had the, uh, I won't call it luck, but uh, like your, your path was paved for you and it moved fast enough for people to start dropping in your lap. I wish, Wish I could start anything that quickly or that uh, effort, effortlessly, or <laughs> you have no mar- no marketing or anything. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we do Facebook and Instagram and that kind of stuff, you know. But as far as like paid marketing, we never have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 
I was fortunate. One of my early customers that came in, and it was, I think it was just, a, and a lot of stuff we did on Craigslist. I was, during that time when we were first getting the shop opened, Craigslist was kind of my cash cow. Because I've always been a horse trader and a swamper, and I'd trade a guitar for an amp, and I'd trade that amp for a, something else. And I remember I, I used to be a sound engineer, so I had all this PA gear that I was selling off and trading for other guitar stuff. And then it got to where I was like, I needed tools. So now I'm trading guitars for tools, and I'm trading hey, I'll give you a set of pickups for that table saw kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm still doing that. I mean, I, I, I tried to trade a custom custom blues man the other day for a band saw, and, and uh, I couldn't get him to do it, so I ended up having to buy the saw. But uh, <clears throat> that, that mentality never goes away. You know, you always want to, you know, that, that comes from growing up in East Tennessee and not having a lot of money. So you do what you do to, to, to survive kind of thing. And, and you if you want something, you either make it, or you trade for it because um, cash is always, is always a commodity. You know? So um, that's always been the mentality that I've had and it's, and it's worked well for me. Um, but that's why I, I guess I'm hesitant to spend money on advertising because I can't, I'll trade for advertising. I've done that. I've traded guitars for magazine articles and, and things like that in the past, but um, I've never spent money on it because I guess my, my mentality was, was cash is, is so precious. You hold that because you need that for, for bills and anything you want extra, you have to you have to find a way to get to it. So, um, so like I said, so my advertising has always been free marketing. And I asked it. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm we're chasing a rabbit trail. Uh, <laughs> one of the early customers that I had, getting back to that, was uh, was it a marketing guy? And he had done. He he's his claim to fame was he says I've done the most successful most successful. What am I saying? The most successful marketing campaign for Gibson guitars, it was the most successful campaign for a product that flopped. And I said, well, what was that? He says, I did all of the marketing uh, for the, the robot guitar. If you remember that when it came out, the, oh. the very first auto tuning Les Paul with the automatic tuners and it never worked properly. And everyone hated this thing because Gibson fans are so diehard traditionalists. And so, but, it, but there was all this hype around this guitar. I mean, when it released, it was pre-sold long before it was ever came to market, which is why it was such a flop for them because they had so many people demanding they wanted the guitars and paying astronomical prices for it. Um, but the product never worked, never, never worked properly. So he, that was his claim to fame. Like he, that was his marketing thing. And so I asked him, I said, okay, well, give me one piece of free marketing advice. And to my friends at Vintage Guitar Magazine and Premier Guitar Magazine, I apologize for what I'm about to say, but it was <laughs> not my work. He told me, stay away from print advertising. As a small company, the size that I was at that time, now it's a different story. I need to start buying some ads. But um, at that time, he says, print advertising won't yield you know, the, the result that you're, you're desiring. And he said, not, not for the expense that it's going to cost you. And I said, okay. So I, so that's, I've done that. And I've stayed away from it all these years. Um, I probably should change that policy and it might help us jump to the next level, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. Again, I, I apologize, James and the guys over at Vintage. They've been really good to me. They've done reviews for us in the past and they've been really good. And Joe and the guys at, at uh, Premier Guitar too. So you're not knocking them specifically. You're just um, telling no, them. No, it, it, hey, yeah. it was the industry in, in yeah. general. And it's, <laughs> And and they've they have learned to evolve. They're all you know. All of those guys now have an online you know you know direct to your phone type type of media now. That's that didn't exist when this gentleman gave me that advice. So gotcha. maybe I need 
you get get caught up with the times. So. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know you you don't want to name drop or anything, but you, you, your uh, case story actually got me a little intrigued to to know even like you know two of the names that you got to see because you know looking at your list and your website of people who have passed through or are using a uh, bluesman. Um, uh, who, who, who is there? <laughs> oh, I mean, I'll tell you the names. I just, I just do it. Like I said, I don't want to be that, that guy, but if you want to hear them, I mean, I don't think any of the, my customers would, would have a problem. I'm going to pull them out of you anyway, just cause I, I want to know whether, you know, right now we have, um, Aaron Tippins ovation with the American flag. He's pretty known well for playing that. Um, we have, Danish Strum's most famous bass that he's ever played. It's the only one he's played since 1985. Um, it's this weird little flying V bass thing. Danish Strum is the bass player for Slaughter. Okay. Uh, we have two or th- he also plays for Vince Neal's tribute band. Uh, Dane is a cool guy. He He's the guy that introduced Randy Rhodes to Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, wow. He's been in that metal scene, that 80s metal scene since the beginning. Um, and this, this is his number one bass where – Delta Airlines finally destroyed it, and so we're, we're we're restoring it, and we're actually going to be building a signature model for him uh, that has you know that we're going to be able to sell to the public. So that's that's going to be kind of cool. It's going to be real similar to his to his original. Uh, there was Jay Demarcus. I think he had three of his. That's from he's from Rascal Flats, the bass player in Rascal Flats. Um, we have Matthew Nelson, one of the Nelson brothers. Um, Trying to think of who else was on the rack at that time. Uh, we had an amp for Ricky Skaggs that we were working on. <clears throat> oh gosh, I'm I'm trying to think of what's down there currently. I mean, we deal with we deal with a lot of people that aren't necessarily even on our website because you know I only put the ones on the website that that play Bluesman vintage guitars. Um, we would do a lot of service and repair work for for people that aren't necessarily endorsing Bluesman vintage. John Jorgensen. Uh, we do, we've done a lot of stuff for him in the past. Um, uh, uh, oh gosh. Um, you know, a lot of the, the Nashville studio cats, um, well, a lot of those guys are on there. You know, I mean, we've done, we helped develop a set of pickups for Johnny Highland a few years ago. So we, these, um, a lot of these guys, they're just, they're, they, like I said, John Cowan was the guy in here this morning, um, from, he's the bass player in the Doobie brothers, just, what a lot of people know him for, but he's also the, uh, uh, you know, he was the singer in, in new grass revival and the John Cowan band. Um, uh, uh, Jacob Lowry, who's the bass player now for, it's funny. We have the bass player and the, the new bass player in the Doobie brothers. And we also have the bass player for Michael McDonald's solo project. Um, we have the new guitar player in Bon Jovi, which is Phil X. Um, he's playing one of our sedan models. And then, uh, Richie Sambora, the old guitar player in Bon Jovi, did a did a tour a year or two ago in South. We had the bass player for that tour, so it's it's funny we're we're getting like both sides of of split bands. We're getting uh, legacies, and we you know we we can't get um, I'm trying to think I can't get Lefty for sale anymore, but his nephew comes in here all the time. So I mean we get a lot of those kind of things too, um, fathers and sons and and of, of some of the legacies, um, and then occasionally we get to deal with with like I said with Ricky Skaggs are one of the, the major guys that we all grew up listening to. So, Well, this explains uh, how we were talking about before we started, um, why the, uh, what, what I call it, the Gasworks Retirement Center is, is forming it's, around your, your store. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's 80s, 80s rock has come to settle into 
it's, it's spring. The, the little town that I'm in, we're just south of Nashville. So we tell everybody we're from Nashville because it's just easier. Mm-hmm. But we're in a little town called Spring Hill and it's about 20 minutes south of downtown Nashville. And so it's kind of one of the suburbs, more or less, of, of, of the area around Nashville. And so um, all of LA, especially the LA rock scene from the 80s and 90s, has come into. To, to move in within about a five, maybe 10 mile radius around us. We've got, uh, I tell this story all the time because people don't realize it. They're, you know, they're, they're just here. They're just, these guys are just people. They're just like you and me. They just, you know, they have made their living being a rock star. And, and when they step off the stage, they're just us, you know? So, but I mean, we've got, like I said, Mark Slaughter, both the Nelson brothers, uh, Matthew and Gunnar Nelson, um, Kip Winger, Mick Mars, Steven Tyler, Vince Neal, Derek St. Holmes, Brad Whitford, Dusty Hill, Rachel Bolins, Tom Kiefer. Um, um, who am I forgetting? There's so many. Um, Johnny Depp bought a place here not long ago. I mean, it's, mm. everybody's, Nashville is kind of the new L.A. Everybody's moving. In fact, at, at, at Winter Nam this year and last year, too, anybody that I met that was actually from L.A., I would just ask them, so what part of Nashville are you looking to move to? And they all have an answer. They're all considered. <laughs> They're not on the way and within the month. They're, they're coming this year. I mean, it's uh, Dave Cobb, who's a major producer here in town, friend of ours who you know, came from L.A. It's funny. He came from L.A. to be the, the rock and roll producer in Nashville, and he's doing all the, like, traditional country stuff now. He's doing the Chris Christoffersons and the Chris Stapletons and the, and the uh, Jason Isbells and all this really great, you know, iconic-style country music. But he was supposed to be the rock guy when he got here, so. <laughs> can't can't get away from it if you're moving to Nashville. Yeah. You just gotta stick with it. <laughs> Nashville's a unique place, man. It's, it's it's I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I bet. I actually the one person that really stood out on your list to me because in high school we were in a uh, uh, well not all covers ninety covers but um, we did write some of our own stuff. But we were a big Goo Goo Doll fan, so seeing oh, yeah. John Resnick on your list is is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, John's so. got one of our guitars. Um, he came to us through. Uh, his keyboard player, who's also in our artist list, Corel Tunador, I think is how I pronounce, pronounce his name. I can, I can never get it right. So sorry, Corel, if you hear this. <laughs> um, he came to us a while back because he was he played keyboards for the Goo Goo Dolls, but he was also did some bass stuff for them live. And he's a lefty, so he couldn't use any of the basses that they had. So we built him a lefty uh, DeVille bass. Um and then it, he liked it so much that John called us up and got a, got a custom sedan built from us. Um, but yeah, I, I'm an eighties and nineties kid, man. I mean, uh, one of the guitar players for vertical horizon used to work here for a little bit, you know, yes. as, as a guitar instructor. And then like all of a sudden they went, they went back and he was a, he was a hired gun. I mean, he was still, he wasn't an original member, but I was still little, little, you know, I get a little, I don't get starstruck, but sometimes I'm like, Man, I loved you guys. You know, these guys are so cool. And, uh, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, the the youngest guy in our shop is our, my production manager. His name's Steven. But he, personality-wise, he's the oldest guy in the shop. So he, like, he, he listens to, like, Otis Redding and, and all this old school. What was he listening to the other day? It was, um, oh, gosh, it was, like, really just old school stuff, which is great. We love all that, too. But I'm also a big 90s nerd. And so... I'll be playing like presidents of the United States in the shop or, yes. or Goo Goo Dolls <laughs> or, or Dishwalla or Bush or, or any of these, these honestly, none of those bands were going to win any awards for, for being guitar players or musicians, but it's just what we grew up with. Yeah. And Steven hates it. You know, he, he gets so, so, uh, <laughs> so irritated with that music. 
I'll just tell them I, I, I uh, was uh, with Apple Music. I was able to pull out um, a bunch of my old uh, Collective Soul albums, the Blue Album, yes. and uh, all that stuff was good stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I love all that stuff. And so, and, and most of the guys here in the shop, we're all into that. You know, we'll, you know, if if, if uh, Mr. Jones comes on, we're all singing it. You know, like a bunch, <laughs> like a bunch of high school girls. That's awesome. And I, you, you mentioned Otis Redding too. I'm like, Oh, that sounds very familiar because I'm, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. So we, we know exactly oh, yeah. where, where he uh, ended his career. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've got, I got a few good uh, uh, customers up or, or artists up in Madison that, that play up there quite a bit, but they're like local, local guys up there. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm probably, there's a good chance. I know a couple of them. <laughs> it's funny. We, we just, we just end up kind of in that, there's certain areas of the country, like for some reason, we're huge in Texas. I won't say huge because everything in Texas is huge. But I was going to say. <laughs> we do really well in Texas. We do really well in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Okay. Um, we do really well. You know, we just, and it's not like I say we do. Okay, let me, let, me, let me back that up a little bit. When I say we do really well, we have like, and it's because it's a word of mouth thing of one guy in that area gets it then they tell their buddies and that's, and we expand, you know, it's like a cancer in those areas. Um, <laughs> probably a bad way to describe my business. Right? That's kind of like a cancer, but blues man vintage. <laughs> so, what kind of cancer um, do you have? Uh, blues. Right. I'm like, what? <laughs> I've got, I've got, the, I've got the stage four coop. <laughs> sorry. That's so insensitive. I'm so sorry. Oh gosh. Um, but you know, and that's, it's kind of how it grows. And so we'll, and Madison, it's funny, our, our, the producer, we had, I told you uh, earlier, we had a reality show online for a little while. If you're totally bored out of your mind and you have nothing to do and you're probably half drunk and inebriated, uh, you should check out Strings Attached TV on YouTube. But you're going to have to find like strings. If you just type in Strings Attached, you're going to get all kinds of, of like, you know, no strings attached and all these videos and stuff that you don't probably don't want your family to see. But if you type in, you know, strings attached TV and maybe, maybe slash blues man vintage or something like that, type blues, and you're going to find these, these really poorly, uh, <laughs> poorly done reality shows that we did, um, <laughs> that are, that are like just ridiculousness in a guitar shop. Um, but they were, they were, they were trying, they were scripted. They were trying to force us all to be actors and we we're not actors. And, but there's, there's some, some funny stuff in there and there's some interesting stuff in there too. I mean, there's, we do, we go to different concerts and we talk about the instruments and we talk about stuff. So there's some fun stuff in there too, but there's also some like, what the heck were they thinking moments? So. <laughs> well, before I uh, jump over the, to the last question, I, I did want to ask um, because I did see the picture on your website about um, your amps and are they, okay. do you, do you, uh, already have amps available or are you still still in development we do we have amps available uh the when the web guy like i said we just launched a new website recently um and when he was gathering information for us building a website is is a long 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 process you know because i'm always we're an ever-evolving company you know people ask have asked us you know how long a certain product has been on the market or or when did we develop this? I'm like, we've all, we're always developing this. We're always adding new things and changing things. And so even our amps, if you've got an early amp, it might not be that you might have the same exact model, but there's probably a tweak or two that we've done to it and a new one. Um, same thing with our guitars. We're always trying to make them better, change the process. But um, so when he was gathering information for the site, he, uh, you know, he got pictures and we didn't have a lot of those done, but they're done now. Okay. Um, yeah, we do have amps available. 
Um, we have three models. We have, and in Nashville, we're kind of in a Kemper world. Everyone is doing is using Kempers and Helix and all these direct, uh, uh, you know, direct source, you know, guitar rigs. So the amplifier market is actually kind of down. But the thing that people were asking me for were kind of a lightweight grab and go combos that can use with pedals, um, because so many amp builders. You know, we'll design an amplifier and they'll, and they'll tell you, and I, I've been to all these amp shows and go room to room and they're all going, oh man, uh, how do the, how, your amp sounds great. How does it work with pedals? And, and these amp guys go always say the same thing and they go, oh, you don't need pedals with my amp. My amp does <laughs> everything. It's, it's got stupendous clean tones. It's got amazing overdrive tones. It makes marshals fly out of your asshole. I mean, it's just all these scroll side functions in it. But it's just, And they are. These are amazing amps, amazing sounding amps. But that's not reality. Guitar players have $10,000 pedal boards that you can you can punch two buttons and launch a satellite into space, (laughs) hit a third button and it'll microwave a burrito. Um, I'm waiting for that one on drums. Come on. Yeah, well, you need that for drums. We can can, come up. Hey, it works for Def Leppard. Didn't he have like pedals for his toms or something? That's true. Um, So. We, we can build you something similar. Okay. Um, but it's just the reality is guitarists are going to use their pedals. They like their pedals. They're addicted to pedals. Um, so I call those guys pedal files. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so non-PC. It's, it's so bad. It's probably a good thing I don't do a whole lot of public speaking. Um, uh, but anyway, we... Uh, so we designed amps to be used with pedal boards. Uh, so they're lightweight, grab and go. They have a nice clean headroom. Um, we designed one that can be, goes great with pedals, but can stand alone. It's just, it's, it's, our amps are derivatives of classic designs. I believe that guitarists are the most stubborn uh, group of customers on the planet, regardless of what industry. Um, and, and I can back that up by saying, you know, every time you wind a new pickup, you can make the most unique design, the most, I mean, it can be made out of whatever, whatever, you know, materials you want, petrified ducks, anus, whatever you want to use in it. <laughs> you hand it to a guitar player and you say, Hey, you should listen to this. It sounds amazing. And they go, the first question they ask you is how does it sound next to a PAF? Which, you know, I got a 1959 Gibson Les Paul pickup if you're not familiar or PF actually came out 57 for you Gibson nerds. I know the specs. Don't don't cast don't crucify me. <laughs> but that's what they ask. They go, Well, how does it sound next to this pickup that was designed in 1957? Well, it sounds like 60 years worth of design and innovation, doofus. Listen to it. <laughs> they won't. They don't want that. They want they don't want design and innovation. They want familiarity and refinement. So in our guitars, they, they want a better Stratocaster. So we, we offer the sedan. They want a better Tele. We offer the Coupe. We have a better Les Paul. It's a, called a Cutlass. Um, our amps are the same thing. Like our, our flathead model um, is based off of a 50s workhorse amp. I mean, it was an amp that was lightweight, grab and go, but it had some some flaws. So this is where the, the refinement comes in. You know, it's... It's kind of a tweedish sounding amp, but it has better bottom end, better low end, better headroom. So you can plug into it directly and it breaks up and you can do the blues thing or you can put your pedals in front of it. And then our small block um, has a, uh, a little bit cleaner headroom. 
Uh, it's based off of a blackface circuit, but it's, you know, it starts its life as that circuit. And then we do a whole bunch of changes to it to make it what our, our thing is. So again, it's not, uh, it's not design and innovation. It's familiarity and refinement. Um, uh, and then our big one is called the big block, which is, it takes the small block channel ups it's 40 watts and then also has a second channel that's very martial style so so you can get a little bit of both worlds um you know american or british style amps out of it and do they actually go to 11 and they do all of our amps will go to 11 thank god someone is finally (laughs) (laughs) wait 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 they're all they're pre-tuned to D minor. All of our guitars are, are open tuned to D minor when they leave. It's the saddest of all keys. Uh, well, I have to ask, why didn't you just make 10 louder? Well, because this, these go to 11. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to have a, a small plug here for myself. I'm actually working on a music, a music um, startup here in town that we've named 11 um, for that, for the sake of that. So I, I just like, I had, oh, yeah. I had to plug it. So. <laughs> I, I had a I had a band in college that was called Go to Eleven. Nice. <laughs> like I said, I've always been a movie nerd. I had a band one time that was called Scene Twenty Four, which was uh, you know from the old Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's like, oh look, it's the old man from Scene Twenty Four. <laughs> I just remember there are some who call me Tim. Tim, I mean, I, yeah, well, that's the the Timmy pedal, which is one of my favorite pedals. I'm going to plug plug somebody else's company. I've never even met this dude, Paul Cochran. Uh, makes one of the greatest pedals on the planet. It's called the Timmy, but it started out as a Tim, and then he made a smaller version. So the small version of Tim is Timmy, naturally. Um, but that's how he named that pedal. Is they said, "Well, it sounds great, man. What are you going to call it?" He goes, "There's some who call it Tim." That's <laughs> <laughs> how, how it happens. So, um, so funny. Our whole we our whole pedal line line of I said we never even talked about that. We never talked about what we call named all of our products. No. Uh, um, you know, we we were trying to when we were naming our guitars. Um, we were trying to come up with a theme, you know, something to, to go along with it. And so we uh, we came up with Cadillac names because what goes better with a bluesman than a Cadillac? So you know, all of our guitars have Coupe, Sedan, Deville, Fleetwood. Um, and then our amps are, you know, an amp is the driving you know, engine behind the, the guitar tone. So we give them all motor names, a flathead, small block, big block. Um, but our pedals, we went a completely different route. Uh, we gave them all movie uh, reference names. So we have a Liger, which is from Napoleon Dynamite. We have a, um, a Love Pump, which is one of our pedals. That's a Spinal Tap one, um, you know, which is like, try your licks on the Love Pump. <laughs> Uh, we have a Stonehenge, another Spinal Tap, and uh, uh, we have a Gigawatt. We have what's the other one I'm thinking of down there? Um, Liger Love Pump, Farva Fuzz, which is a good one. Word, Super Troopers. Um, we actually released that one on the day that Super Troopers Two came out. Nice. Um, <laughs> I've got a little picture of, of Rod Farva on it. It's fun, fun stuff. Well, that explains why all the guitars have, uh, I opened up the, the page and I'm like, they all seem to have car logos. <laughs> yes. And, that, and that's what it is. It's because we gave them all caddy names. Got it. Okay. That, that totally makes sense. Now. Uh, what goes better with a blues man and a Cadillac? Uh, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> it all's coming together for me. I, I'm out of the loop. So. <laughs> and and there, was, there was a little bit of thought to that. It's like the sedan. I was like, well, sedan is a strat, so the S correlation will keep people together coop 
was kind of a, a streamlined, you know, just basic. That's the Telecaster. But then when you get into the Fleetwood, that's our Jazzmaster, or, or sorry, we can't use these names. That's our offset guitar. Um, we call it a Fleetwood. And, uh, you know, the Jazzmaster for Fender was like their deluxe, like pimp ride. And so that's what the Fleetwood would be. You know, it's, you know, it's had the, had the, the laid back seats and all that good stuff. So, um, so yeah, we, we gave them all Cadillac names and eventually we ran out of Cadillacs. So we, we went into like muscle cars, uh, <laughs> nomads, nomads and cutlass. And, uh, we're working on a, a hollow body style that I think we're going to call the continental. <laughs> not, not sure about that one yet. We haven't, we haven't finished it. So don't call up to order a continental because they're not available yet. That sounds like um, a boat. Is it a boat? It does. Yeah. So that was, so we made, <laughs> we made change it, but we were thinking, was like, what, you know, what, car would you correlate with like a big you know 335 style you know hollow body guitar and you know again it kind of you know in, in my mind anyway which is twisted um <laughs> you think, it's like a big luxury ride so you gotta have like a big lead sled kind of boat type car you know so somebody said the edsel but that was the ugliest car on the planet you don't know what it <laughs> Edsel looks at looks like go go look it up. It's awful. It sounds familiar, but yeah, I'd have to look it up. It a, so. Yeah, it was a it was a Ford car that came out in 1957, and it basically looked like a fish on the face. It was, it was the dumbest looking thing ever. <laughs> Ugliest car on the planet, next to the Pacer. <laughs> now we're getting into car talk, so we're gonna this could go on for three days. Oh, we better cut it off before <laughs> we go too far. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a podcast name for cars, so I can't do that yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I guess before we uh, sign off, did you want to, uh, plug the website and your, uh, social, some of your social media and yeah, yeah, let's do that. So, um, you can find our, our new website just launched about a week or so ago. So feel free to point out all the typos and grammatical errors. Uh, we, we, we need the help. Uh, that's <laughs> at www.bluesmanvintage.com. Uh, you can email us through there. I think the phone numbers are there too, the shop line address, all that stuff. Um, also check us out. We're on Instagram and Facebook, uh, just at, you know, blues man, vintage guitars. Um, uh, beware. There is a blues vintage out there. A friend of ours in town. Who's, who's got a very similar name. Um, they're, they're a retail, like used guitar store. Cool guys, but, but make sure you look for blues man vintage. Um, <clears throat> there is uh I'm trying to think of other ways you can you can get a hold of us uh smoke signals work well cool um carrier pigeons i got a few of those a lot of those um uh morse code although i'm a little slow to, to get back to that i don't i don't check my morse code messages very often <laughs> um uh we are on twitter but if you're if you're seeing us on twitter uh, go back to Facebook or Instagram to contact me because I, the only reason we're on Twitter is because I can, sh- I can click a button on Instagram and it, <laughs> it adds it on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, uh, you know, feel free to, to like or share or something, but I don't even know what you do on Twitter retweet. Um, but if you're on there, you know, hit us up on one of the other medias because you know, we don't, I don't get on there to read Donald Trump's, uh, tweets and posts. So Awesome. Well, on that note, we'll know where to find you and where not to find you. So yes, yes, <laughs> I mean, it helps. We do have a MySpace page. It's um, still current. I don't know if it's current, but it's still out there somewhere. Ooh, so I didn't link to it a while back. I need to probably go eliminate it. You're my first MySpace reference in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think we op- I think we did a MySpace page long before we were even a business. I don't even. 
And I don't even know if I honestly God can't remember if I'm the one that even created the page. I mean, it may be a joke from some <laughs> other guy, but supposedly there's a MySpace out page out there somewhere with Blues Man Vintage's name on it. So I don't trust any information you find on that. MySpace is a black hole at this point. So yeah, is it, yeah, is it even still is it even still there? It is. It, it, is. it, is. Okay. it did come back, yeah, but I uh, don't know who uses it. So. <laughs> <laughs> five-year-old Somali children, apparently. Or exactly. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today to join us. This is, uh, this has been great. And I'm glad we got a chance to talk about uh, you and uh, the five miles, 10 mile radius around your company. So, <laughs> right. We've talked about everything, but what we do here, but that's, that's kind of how blues man is. We're, we're a one-stop shop for any, everything, including jokes and humor and, and, and any kind of gear. So, Perfect. Well, thank you. So if you're out there and you're, and you're thinking of purchasing gear and you don't know, you need advice, you just want to talk about gear, call us up, man. We're, we're, we're all gear nerds here. We just, I mean, we, we'll just sit and chat with you about, you know, somebody else's guitar if you want to. That's, that's cool. You know, we help, we help people make purchases on vintage gear, on, on new gear. Um, we just love people and, and gear. So, And that is why we are here. Right. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining me today. Cool, man. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to Behind the Backline, brought to you by Octave Media, an inbound marketing agency focused on helping music merchants develop an automated solution to increase website sales. You can find Octave Media at www.octave.media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or Google Play Music to learn more about great products and companies in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space. And be sure to leave a review to let us know what you thought of this episode. We encourage you to share us with your friends and colleagues via social media, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Hey guys, Matt here from Behind the Backline. I recently released a free on-demand training called Three Steps to Drumming Up More Website Sales. During the nine-minute video, you'll learn the secrets to streamline your brand's image and dramatically increase your website sales. If you're a music brand or a retailer and you want to increase your website sales, go to octave.media slash drumoffer today. That's octave.media slash drumoffer. And thanks for listening to Behind the Backline.